Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the good news for the Jazz is they got another game tonight. The bad news for the Jazz is they played horribly and lost a completely winnable game. A completely winnable game to the Washington Wizards. Wizards are one of the five worst teams in the NBA, 11 games under 500, on a five-game losing streak, losers of seven of the last eight, playing back-to-back after losing to the Sacramento Kings of the buzzer. And the Jazz spotted them a 10-point lead in the middle of the first quarter. Got down by as many as 24, never got closer than seven the rest of the way. They were within eight in the third quarter. They had a chance to, to go back into the game, take the lead, and, but they didn't. They gave up a big run. They went down 18. And they got it down to seven in the fourth quarter, and they end up losing. Too many turnovers, too many offensive rebounds, too many missed free throws, too many guys shooting the ball poor. I mean, the list goes on and on. But defensively, you, just, you can't give up 131 points. You cannot give up 131 points and be a serious playoff contender. Not championship contender. Playoff contender in the NBA. Playoff teams don't routinely do that. The Jazz are now 2-6 and six when they give up 120 points or more. When they decide to defend and handle the ball, they're 27-5 and five when they hold teams under 120. It's not a very high bar to clear. But the Jazz struggle to clear it. And when they do, they get beat. All right, we got the best of the postgame show coming up. But right now, for you youth football fans, we started off with Morgan Scally. Here's Morgan Scally, Utah defensive coordinator with Ute Spring Football underway. Hey, so obviously going into fall camp last year, uh, the defense was the, the big focus of, of a lot of, of the attention on the team. And, and the defense did really well in, in fall. What do you feel like uh, you guys need to do to, to move forward now in spring? Well, I think the biggest thing is we've got to get back to a little bit more to, you know, who we are in terms of coverage. We're a man coverage team. Last year when we were going through those uh, phases of getting into fall camp, we weren't really allowed to to play press man uh, because of the rules and regulations. And so now um, that we are, we've got the protocols in place. We're, we're you know, we got to teach our guys man coverage and, and uh, get better at press man. And our guys are doing that. So we were a lot more of a zone coverage team last year. And uh, I believe we got better at our zone coverage ability, but um, we're a man team and that's where we've been able to make our plays and get sacks and, and uh, get disruptive. So uh, getting back into man coverage is a big deal for us. Following up on that real quick, but you've obviously introduced some zone coverage over the years, so it's not like it's it's a, a new territory to you. But how hard is it to to have to adapt to that as a full time model instead of of the that man coverage like you were speaking of? Uh, not too difficult because again we have it in our in our package. It's just you know we we spend the majority of our reps uh, playing man coverage. Uh, a lot of our pressures are married to man coverage. Um, it's just something that last year we, we upped the dose of our zone and zone pressures. So, uh, getting kind of back to who we are, uh, has been a, a nice, I guess change is maybe not the, the best word, but it is, it is based on what we did last year. We'll go now to Trevor Allen, followed by Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune. Hey Morgan, um, I just, I was curious about the cornerbacks. Uh, you, you got, you guys moved Kane Savage over to, to wide receiver at least during spring and you know obvious you know how 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 deep are you at corner um for you to be able to make that move well we were also able to move zamaya vaughn uh who was a free safety for us last year moved him to corner so we have the bodies there we have the guys that we feel have the the ability 
the speed, the the athleticism to play the corner position. And obviously we're about uh, winning football and that's team football. So whether that's an offensive player coming to defense or a defensive player going to offense, it's all about getting our best guys on the field. And uh, Kane, it was a very good wide receiver in high school. Is gonna gonna add some some speed and athleticism to to what the offense is doing. So that was a no brainer. And again, we love the guys that we have at the corner position. You know, um, Clark Phillips, Malone Mataele, JT Broughton. Uh, you know, the, the other guys behind them that are making strides, Fabian Marks, who uh, made some plays last year in the five games that, that, that we had there. Zamaya Vaughn, his length and speed adds, adds to what we're doing. Kenzel Lawler's making progress, so we do. We have the guys that, you know, we feel we can develop uh, into those roles, and we're excited to, to continue. We'll go next to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Morgan. Um, when last season started, R.J. Hubert, you know, was having, I guess, a bit of trouble trying to get all the way back from the injury. Um, you know, he played he played some last season. But as you, as you go into the spring now, can you kind of update us maybe on where he is and just how he's looking so far? You bet. Yeah, R.J. was was very uh, unselfish in what he gave us last year. He was not 100 percent. He was not right. With his knee, he was good enough to give us some some uh, valuable reps when needed. Uh, also played on some special teams, but just didn't feel right. Um, and so we rehabbed him all throughout the season last year. Uh, this time off has been huge for him and to get that knee a little bit more stable and uh, get some more strength in those legs. And uh, for at least for the for the first couple of days, he looks really good. So we're excited to have him back. That and just his leadership, this guy that's been on the team, been in the safety room, uh, is able to bring the younger guys along. So love him and what he brings to the table. And another example of, of what, you know, selfless football can do for a team. And just to follow that up, obviously, you had a lot of young guys on that defense getting, you know, live game reps during the fall. In hindsight, how how critical was it to their maturation to, you know, not only be able to get those game reps, but to do so without losing the year of eligibility. Oh, invaluable, invaluable. We were probably one of the teams that benefited the most uh, from that, you know, in terms of just getting your younger guys reps, meaningful reps, getting them confidence. Uh, you know, the, the thing that those younger guys have not experienced yet is a crowd uh, what an opposing crowd can do to you, what a home crowd can do in terms of, of getting you excited, getting you pumped up. But uh, so we're excited. Hopefully that we're able to get uh, Rice Eccles Stadium going. And, uh, you know, those I know those young players, that's something that they talked about during the offseason is, is, is gaining a, an advantage there with the home crowd. Next up is Trevor Allen, KSLSports.com, followed by Cole Bagley from the Daily Utah Chronicle. I know that uh, spring depth charts are always to be taken with a, a, a grain of salt, but you have a Kamoi Latu starting at, at a strong safety. What has what his progress been? I know, I, I know that he, he's gotten time last year, but how, how, how critical is it for his development to, to get as many reps as possible in spring? Always important for those young guys to get reps. Kamoi Latu is what we want in terms of a physical football player. He is what our culture is. You know, he's tough. He's he's uh, bought into the w the way we do things. And I, I can't tell you how excited I am for 
for him and his future here at the University of Utah. And uh, you're right, spring depth chart, you, you really can't pay attention to it. Everyone's competing. The only depth chart that really matters is the one uh, come game week. So that's what we tell our players is never worry about what a depth chart is saying, particularly in spring. Uh, just keep competing, keep competing, keep competing. Cole Bagley, followed by Josh Furlong. Coach, what kind of value does it bring having a guy like Devin Lloyd uh, returning when he easily could have gone on to the NFL? And what do you expect from him this year? Well, you got Devin, you got Mika, you got Viana. There's a bunch of guys that, that had opportunities and uh, to have them back again, particularly if they're leaders, if they do lead by example, if they are, you know, compelling and they bring others along with them, you always want to have those guys in the program. So that's, that's been huge. Devin, uh, you know, it was a leader last year. He's a leader this year and leaders lead and there's, there's no drop off there. So um, not only in the backer room, but you can see him holding other guys accountable in other position groups. He's, he's just a guy that gets it. Not just not calling guys out. It's also, you know, promoting our culture. And when guys are doing things right, give them a, give them a pat on the back. So uh, love Devin, love making those guys that, that, that are compelling and leading. Um, great to have those guys in the program. Josh Furlong. And Morgan, in the off season, you guys were able to target a ton of, of linebackers and build that room. What, what was kind of some of the conversations that went on this, this in, you know, in the off season that, that allowed you guys to be able to pick up some of these guys and why has Utah become such a destination for that spot specifically? Well, um, you know, you recruit to your numbers, you know, the guys that you lose uh, where you feel you, you lack depth. And that was one of the positions we felt we needed to strengthen. So um, we did that in recruiting. Colton Swan did, a, did an awesome job of targeting the guys that he wanted that fit our culture. And we just recruited the, the snot out of them. And we're, we're fortunate to get a good group to come in in terms of why it's such a valuable position, why, why backers want to come to Utah. It's just look at the defensive front. Those guys that take up blocks, that demand double teams uh, and allow your backers to roam free and make plays. The reason our backers are the most productive football players on the team is because those D-line do such a, a great job of owning their role. And, uh, you know, trust me, the, uh, Devin Lloyd and Nephi Sewell, they're grateful. And they, and they tell those guys, those defensive linemen, how grateful they are for them and what they do. It's a team sport. And, uh, you know, the backers in our defense are going to be productive based on how the D-line does. Our final question will come from Trevor Allen. This is more of a uh, off-topic question, but uh, with Urban Meyer and Quinton Ganther going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, just what were your thoughts as someone that you played with and played for? Well, I, you know, I'm fired up for Urban, the opportunity he has, um, and I'm excited to watch uh, the progress there in terms of Quinton Ganther. Um, I've loved that, loved that guy, you know, ever since I played with him. He is a player's coach. He's also very demanding, which his coaches were with him. And, uh, you know, I see those players at that level really buying into Quinton and, and his way of doing things. So uh, Jacksonville's lucky to have those two. There's Utah football defensive coordinator Morgan Scally. When we come back, a scouting report on Texas Tech. Utah State and Texas Tech coming up at lunchtime today. NCAA tournament. Stay with us. 
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Carlos Silva Jr. He covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Carlos, good morning. Morning to y'all. How are you? Good. We are ready for the NCAA tournament. Utah State and Texas Tech right out of the gate. And before we get into some specifics with you, I'm curious kind of big picture. And the Red Raiders are, a lot of people are saying really nice things about them. A lot of people are picking them to beat Utah State in advance. They are the sixth place team out of the Big 12. Do you think, and, and they tied with Oklahoma at 9-8, and eight, do you think the Big 12, when they get hyped, is the best conference in the country, maybe with the Big Ten, kind of 1-1A. One one are they that good? Is the league that deep? Is that why the Red Raiders are 9-8? and eight? Or there's some fundamental flaws that can be attacked by the Aggies and whoever else they might play, however long they last in the NCAA tournament? Well, I think the one thing you have to look at with Texas Tech is uh, six of their eight losses have come by one or two possessions, and I think that's the thing that you have to look at is the fact that Again, going to your point, the Big 12 is a meat grinder just like the Big 10 is. And uh, if you make a mistake in a crucial moment, which has been snake-bitten by – or has snake-bit Texas Tech, pardon me, the last uh, couple games. Uh, and then you can even look at Texas where they were leading them for a little bit and then they weren't able to get the victory to eventually get to the Big 12 title game, which is what the Longhorns did. They cut down the net, so – Again, uh, I, I would just have to tell you, in terms of the big picture, Texas Tech is certainly one of those teams that is, again, as you mentioned, the sixth-place team in the Big 12, but that is a very, very deep league. I know everyone kind of looks at Kansas State and Iowa State and how bad they did, but a couple of years ago, this was a league where those two teams finished above 500 as well, and that was one of those uh, really odd statistics where every team finished above 500. Granted, the conference records didn't show that, but the fact that you're able to finish above 500 overall just shows the type of quality teams that the league does have. And obviously right now they're kind of switching over. Kansas State had its struggles. Iowa State has a new coach now because of their win this season. But in terms of Texas Tech, I think the one thing you can say is they stay in games, and if you're able to make some plays down the stretch, which is what uh, some teams did against Texas Tech, that being Baylor, Texas, uh, you look at some of the other losses that they took as well against Houston. That one, they just got punched in the mouth early on, which is something that, going to your question, if Utah State's able to do get on a big run early, be able to hold them off, that could be something that Utah State could take advantage of. But again, Texas Tech is a much different team than that from that Houston loss. And I think that's the one thing that Chris Beard will always talk about and you'll always hear in his press conferences is game after game. He just wants to see his team improve, and they certainly improve because – they're in a much better standing than they were last year coming into the NCAA tournament before the Big 12. And, of course, everyone remembers how sports were canceled. 
Tell us about Mac McClung, you know, the transfer from Georgetown. Somewhat dynamic, but uh, can I label him streaky? Is that a fair assessment? I think it's a fair assessment. There were times where he didn't really start off strong in the first half, but then all of a sudden he'll pour in 18 to 20 points. Yeah, he is leading the team, but I think uh, one thing that you will see with McClung is sometimes he may not have the points scored that you're seeing from a leading scorer. Like, I, I can't remember which game, but he had four points total. But those four points, he had the four free throws at the end of the game that helped Texas Tech fend off a team for a victory. So I think that's one thing that Mac McClung is starting to learn about his game. It's not just about scoring. He came to Texas Tech, as Chris Beard has mentioned, for one, winning, getting to the NCAA tournament for the first time, but the other thing was to improve his defense, which I think he has a little bit. He's still got a little bit of a learning curve in terms of his help defense to where sometimes he does leave a guy open for three every once in a while. But I think uh, when you look at what he's able to do in terms of making plays with the ball, off the ball, that is something that helps Texas Tech open up their motion offense because of his ability just to create plays with the basketball and help create open lanes for his teammates. And I think that's one thing that Texas Tech does covet about Matt McClung is that when he does get hot, I mean, he can he can score in bunches. Carl Silva Jr. joining us. He covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Texas Tech's going to open the NCAA tournament by playing the Utah State Aggies. And Carlos, they do TV here. We have a weekly college basketball panel. There's a former Aggie player, Spencer Nelson, and he said this, and the former BYU assistant coaches on the panel, Tim Lacombe, agreed immediately. They said Texas Tech is like San Diego State out of the Mountain West Conference, except on steroids, a little bigger a little quicker, a little deeper, but that uh, just the signature toughness, the willingness to defend and rebound every possession and just bang and be as physical as necessary. Is that really at the core who the Red Raiders are? Because if that's true, then Aggie fans know exactly what they're in for. Absolutely, and I almost even go a little bit farther in terms of rebounding. They are the best offensive rebounding team in the Big 12 for points at a time so I think that's something that Chris Beard covets again going back to that one to two possession uh, deal it's just Chris Beard is all about making an opportunity for yourself if he has an opportunity as I mentioned before at the end of a game where you get the ball or you need a stop he's he's obviously he's not going to enjoy having his heart attacks but he's going to enjoy the fact that he knows that he put his team in a position to win and that's certainly what he's going to do against uh, Utah State later this weekend. But in terms of uh, what what they both said, I totally agree with that. Uh, defense is their DNA, their identity. Same thing with rebounding. And the other thing is toughness. I think you've seen that in games where they went down by double figures. They were able to come back. And uh, the other thing I would say is they're also a very deep team. I mean, you look at Jamarius Burden, who was injured for a little bit due to a toe tendon issue, and then all of a sudden – you get Clarence Nadolin who steps up and is starting to play well. You see Tyreek Smith who's starting to develop into a, a very good post player. So I think that's one thing that you can also, or a couple things that you can also add is that they're a deep team and they're developing their players down the stretch. And we'll see if they're able to get some of these other guys some minutes because, as you mentioned, Matt McClung's going to get minutes, Terrence Shannon's going to get minutes, and you've got other guys like uh, Marcus Santa Silva that are pretty set in stone to be penciled in as starters, but you've got other guys that can also step in and score in bunches as well. 
How much do you think of maybe of a lack of size will be an issue against Kata? Because obviously he's a very good player. Uh, I've been asked this question a few times, and I know it's a different year or a different team, but Texas Tech has faced these big seven-footers. Matt Harms uh, is one that sticks out to me a couple years ago when they played Purdue. So I think the the one thing that you can also kind of flip it on its head is maybe Utah State's not used to playing a team that's got a bunch of six, seven athletes that can maybe blow by uh, Keita and maybe get him into foul trouble. I think that's going to be something that Utah State is going to have to be very wary of because maybe Texas Tech does go after him. They try to get him into foul trouble once he's on the bench. Certainly that's uh, not a place where Craig Smith would like him to be. So I think that's one thing Texas Tech will be looking to do is be aggressive get to the free throw line, and obviously if they're able to get uh, Keita on the bench, that's certainly a big priority. And not only that, but speaking of Kyler Edwards yesterday, the guard for Texas Tech, he said the one thing they have to do is make sure he does not get the ball. So that should be interesting to see how they deny him on the defensive end. Not having a tournament last year kind of throws the whole NCAA tournament experience thing out of whack. And there's so many transfers now. I can't keep track of them all. You know, we, we got BYU here, and, you know, they got the team hasn't been to the tournament in a while, but they got four transfers who have been, including guys who played in the Sweet 16. Obviously, Texas Tech was in the national title game, but it was two years ago. How much of that a playing experience do they retain on the roster? Uh, they've got Kyler Edwards, who was a freshman on that team, Avery Benson. Uh, is another player and if you want to count tournament experience Marcus Santosilva has been there with uh, Virginia Commonwealth but did not win that game so if you're talking about the national championship Tyler Edwards and Avery Benson would be the two that have been from there Tyler Edwards uh, did score 12 points I believe I know for sure it was double figures and he had a couple threes uh, in the mid point of that game so certainly he's a guy that does know what to expect. You can tell his teammates all this other stuff, but I, I think as Chris Beard has said, very point blank, it's sometimes you just got to go out there and play, you know, and uh, the nerves will eventually get there, but once you start going out and playing and enjoying the game, they're going to go away, and I think that's one thing that he's hoping to see from his team is the fact that he does have some experience. Some of it may not be in the NCAA tournament with some of the guys like Mac McClung, uh, Marcus Silva certainly has some, but he's expecting his guys that have already been in that grinder, as we talked about, of the Big 12 Conference. He's going to hope that that has helped them in terms of just, just the experience and then just knowing that every night or every game you play is going to be a difficult proposition. And I think that's what the NCAA tournament is going to present for them, but I think they've already prepared for that by being in the Big 12 Conference. Yeah, certainly the conference has helped them be prepared because I think it was the best conference this season. And within the conference season, they had a couple of times where uh, they missed some ball games. How much do you think that affected their team? Now, they should be past that, but in terms of maybe, you know, if they would have played and not sat out, I think it was a week or two that maybe they'd have a little bit better record. Uh, they might, but I think uh, that's something that Chris Beard will say. It's just not an excuse. Like, he was just prepared. I mean, go, going into this, you, you knew there was going to be a point where you would miss some games or you were going to have some things that were postponed, which is what happened with Texas Tech. You look at Baylor, uh, things were really, really kind of uh, mixed up for them. But I think with Texas Tech, I think the one thing they needed most of all was just to play games. And, uh, again, it's not the most ideal situation, but I think the fact that they were able to get back on track later on in the season 
uh, minus the two losses to Baylor and Texas to end the season. Texas, of course, being in the Big 12 quarterfinal game. But before that, they went on a three-game winning streak against Texas at home, beating TCU, beating Iowa State. I think those three were the biggest things because you kind of got on a roll. You saw what was working. And then you saw some guys step up, like I said, a clear the only Tyreek Smith. So I think for what they wanted to accomplish before the season ended, minus the loss and obviously not getting the Big 12 title, I think that's certainly a positive for Texas Tech just to kind of see their guys playing well down the stretch. Really, that kind of surprises me a little bit because I thought that 3-5 and five finish with the loss to Iowa State, who was you know just way worse than the rest of the league, that people would look at that and say, this is a team that didn't play its best ball down the, finish, uh, down the stretch. Well, the, the thing is, is the last two teams they played were two ranked teams, number three Baylor on the road, and they kept that one pretty close up until the end. Then you look at Texas again, 67-66. It was just one of those where you have the last, the, the team that has the ball last kind of gets the gets a victory, and it was Texas that went, went for the layup. Kyler Edwards appeared to get all ball, but he was called for a foul, and Texas was able to get the two game winning for uh, the game tied and then game winning free throws. So again, it's just one of those things where you feel like you're close. And again, before that they had three straight wins. So it, it's just one of those things where, again, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the, the positive side of things in terms of you had those three straight wins, you were looking good. And then all of a sudden you still played well against Baylor. It's not like you got blown out like some of these other teams that have played the bears and then Texas, it's just one of those, it's the 50-50 type game. And uh, unfortunately, they just came out on the wrong side of it. Yeah, and they had beat Texas uh, when you talk about that three-game winning streak. That was the start of it at the end of February. And uh, yep. you could run into Texas. Could you tell us a little bit what your impressions are about Texas? Most athletic team in the Big 12 is the best thing I can tell you. Their, their bigs are incredible. Uh, I know everyone's going to talk about Greg Brown, but Kai Jones is certainly another really good forward that can step out and make a three. But the thing that makes them go is their guards, Coleman, Ramey, and Jones. If they're able to get going, which is what Texas Tech has been able to do at times, but then, of course, if you slow down the guards, that means the posts are going to really kind of start to to get going. So that's the one thing about Texas is they've got so many offensive weapons. It's just a matter of you kind of pick your poison. And for Texas Tech, that was tr- trying to get the guards into foul trouble, which they were able to do in that game where they did lose by one point. But uh, that's really what a, a team that is playing the long board is going to have to do. You're going to have to get some of those guys into foul trouble because if not, it's going to be a very difficult day uh, on the defensive end. Well, Carlos, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on and sharing a little uh, Texas Tech Red Raider basketball knowledge with us. Hey, anytime. Appreciate y'all. That's Carlos Silva Jr. He is the beat writer covering Texas Tech, giving us the lowdown on the Aggies in Texas Tech. They're going to play today at lunchtime. Gear up for that. 11.45, the tip time for that game on TNT. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show after the Jazz and the Wizards. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time now for the best of the Jazz postgame show as the Jazz flounder badly and lose to the Wizards. Here's Jake. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tough one for the Jazz last night. They lose to the Wizards in Washington. The lowly Wizards, 131 to 122. Not a whole lot of defense going on down in this one. Uh, uh, Bradley Beal had 43 points for the Wiz on 16 of 24 shooting. Russell Westbrook with 35 points, 15 rebounds, and 13 assists. Had a triple-double. For the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell did have a season-high 42 on 16 of 30 shooting. Uh, Joe Ingles had a career-high 34, red-hot, uh, 12 of 17, 8 of 10 from 3, had 5 rebounds and 2 assists. But uh, the Jazz not focused defensively and uh, made it real easy for the Washington Wizards. Trailed uh, big most of this one, trailed by as many as 24 in the first half. Uh, got it with an 8 in the fourth quarter, but the Wizards grabbed a couple offensive rebounds and uh, really uh, wasn't even as close as the final score would indicate. Let's get some uh, let's get some post-game sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Okay, we'll get started with Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Quinn, it seems like they ended up with a lot of shots at mid-range. Are those shots you're happy to have them taking, or were they too open, or, or what did you see? Well, they want to be contested. You know, Bradley Beal's one of the best mid-range shooters in the league. You know, Russell Westbrook has um, a mid-range game. You know, I thought with Westbrook's we it was too easy for him to get us deep, um, particularly on a lot of the back downs and the post ups. And in many situations, you know, when we did get a stop or contest, um, some of the same. When we cut the lead to seven, um, you know, we gave up a free throw rebound. Fortunately, didn't score on that. We gave up another rebound, offensive rebound, and uh, you know, more than them making shots, which you know you're going to expect, you know, be able to make shots. You know, it's a lot of the other things that, you know, that we didn't do consistently enough, whether it be taking care of the ball, you know, six turnovers in the first quarter, um, those lead to baskets, uh, just being focused on can't give up four 30, 30 point quarters. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, I was going to ask about the turnovers. It seems like particularly at the beginning of the last few games, there have been a lot of those quarters where you know high high turnover totals what is the issue in your mind with with those happening is it a lack of focus earlier on before kind of settling in or or what's going on there uh you know I, that that's what you know something along those lines is what i would attribute it to um you know there's there's turnovers and then there's turnovers and some of the ones that, you know, although we're being defended, um, we're not, there, there are things that we, you know, there's play, there are plays we can make um, and we have to be more precise and have to, it has to be more important not, not to take care of the, or to take care of the ball um, because those things, you know, especially early in the game, as you said, you know, there's times when you can overcome that and there's times when you, you know, you dig yourself, you know, a pretty, a pretty big hole, too big a hole. And um, our response to turn the ball over and missing a shot has to be to, to have even more resolve on the defensive end. Next up, Sarah Todd, Desert News. 
<clears throat> Quinn, last handful of games, there seemed to be a drop-off for you guys on the defensive end. Can you see a through line there or something that you can point to where you can say that's that's the place where we kind of need to pick it up? Uh, I think it's, you know, it's a lot of things. It's, um, you know, collectively, you know, it started out the game. We, we were too casual getting back on a couple of possessions. Um, you know, we got beat middle. Um, we didn't shift in from the weak side or we didn't get back and hit somebody and get them off the glass. So it, it's a collection of things, which to me, they're just the urgency that we have on defense, um, you know, needs to improve. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Tough night for his team. They lose 131 to 122. Let's move on and hear from some of the players. Let's start things out with Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Donovan. We'll get started with Sarah Todd, Desert News. Hey, Don. uh, Can you maybe see a through line or what's been happening the last few games on defense uh, where you guys have kind of fallen off a little bit? Um, I think contain the ball, communication. Um, that just comes with focus. Not sure we've had it the past few games. We just got to step up. You know, at the end of the day, we got to, you know, communicate, keep the ball in front of us. And, you know, without that, you know, we're, we're going to have nights like this. And um, just got to pick it up. Chris and Kenny, Jess TV. Don also dealing with the, the turnover issues that we've seen the past few games and tonight as well. It's, are you seeing something that other teams are doing uh, to affect you guys' execution and rhythm? No, I, I think teams are just playing more physical. I mean, just got to be more precise. You know, when a team, you know, wants it more, and, and then, like tonight, I think they just wanted it. They played last night. They played a tough game last night, and they you couldn't tell by the uh, way they played. So um, for us, we just got to be able to hone in and focus. Um, teams are going to go out there and, you know, try and come at us, you know, whether it's through physicality or energy, whatever it may be. Um, we just got to be ready for it. And we ha- I can't say we have been uh, for the past few games. Next up, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Donovan, it seems like maybe the, the biggest problem has been point of attack defense. Like, I don't know if it's dying on screens or not being able to find, the, you know, again, stay in front of guys. How do you make that happen? And, and kind of what I, do you have any explanation for why it's kind of dropped off as, as much of it, as it has? It's, it's just a focus. Um, to be honest with you. And I think that goes back to communication. Um, and then, you know, having just sense of, of pride defensively as well. Um, you know, I think that's, that's really what it is. And we're not going to get anywhere. Um, if we just try to outscore people, you know, if we, if we did that, we're, we're losing by nine. We came back, you know, we were right there, but you know, we couldn't guard, couldn't rebound. Um, and then the turnovers, but just communicating, keeping the ball in front, you know, there's several instances where, it's not always the guy on the ball. It's the shifts. So the guy sees a crowd. You know, I like to attack when I don't see anybody shifting. We got to do the same thing um, on defense. You know, I think that's that's what helps. But at the end of the day, one-on-one defense is what we're going to see going forward. And we're going to see that in the playoffs. And if we can't guard, then uh, we're not going to really do much. So we got to take more pride in that and go from there. Tony Jones, The Athletic. Is there anything schematically that you guys can can do in terms of uh, in in terms of containing you know a, a, a backcourt like Westbrook and, and Bill? And this you know just goes from night to night. You're going to see Fred Van Vliet tomorrow night. You're going to see Zach Levine on Monday. You know, and it goes on and on. Um, 
like I said, it's a, it's a team thing. You know, it's easy to just kind of say Royce has it, or if it's a big Rudy has it or Fave has it or Joe has it. Like, you know, it's, it's on all of us, you know, um, Westbrook had 20 in the first 14 minutes, 16 minutes, something like that. I mean, um, I think that's, that says it all, you know, this at the end of the day, like, you know, we're contesting shots and they're going to hit a few, they're good players, they're high level players. Uh, but you know, we got to, like I said, keep the ball in front and, and go from there. Uh, schematically, we had a great, I would say we had a great plan drawn up, you know, we just didn't execute it to our best of our abilities. Um, you know, I think we can, we can do better. And I said, it's not always just a guy on the ball, you know, it's, it's the guy's the guy you see when you, when you watch the game, but it's, it's a little things of shifting, being there, being at the point of the screen, communicating early. So we're not getting in certain situations. And then from there, it's garden. Um, we just got to do it. Like I said, cause if we don't, you know, it's not going to be good for us. We just got to go out there and do it and go from there. Last question. Follow up from Chris and Kenny. You're going to get the best from every team now in the NBA, whether it's like tonight facing the 13 team in the East, tomorrow, Toronto. So how much more important is it, Donovan, for you guys to get these strong starts to not give your opponents confidence? Um, it's huge. Like I said, teams are going to come out and try and be physical, try and disrupt our offense because our offense is free flowing and, you know, it's, it's draining to, to move the ball the way we, to, to guard, have to guard the way we move the ball, to guard the way we run, shoot the three. Um, it's draining. So if they can take us out of it, whether it's hitting us on the screen or coming out with more energy or screaming, whatever it may be, uh, we just got to be ready for it. You know, we can't wait, you know, and I think, we've gotten accustomed to waiting and then saying, Oh, we'll come back, you know? And I think we just got to find ways to go out there and, and whatever it is. I, I don't have a, don't have the magic saying right now, whatever it is, we got to go out there and do it to start uh, one through 15. Um, we all got to be mentally ready. Cause you know, we're not, it's not the Jeff from the past. Like we're not four five, six, seven, eight C like we're the number one team in the league. And this is what comes with it. Every night you got to be ready. And we got to do that. That's Donovan Mitchell. Uh, 42 points last night for the Jazz coming in the loss. 16, uh, he was 16 of 30 from the field. Let's now hear from Joe Ingles. All right. We'll have our first question from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Joe. So, obviously, uh, you guys surrendered 30 points or more in in each of the quarters tonight. Kind of what were the biggest issues defensively against the Wizards tonight? Uh, probably don't have long enough to talk about them all, to be honest. Um, I mean, it started in transition. Um, off our kind of misses or turnovers or, I mean, even off made buckets, they were they were pushing it um, kind of all the way to the hoop on the rim. Um, so, obviously, that was um, – but we knew coming in, obviously, that they play fast. They That's what kind of – I mean, Russ has done his whole career, but they, they play fast and – Make some misses. They pushed the ball, and we were we were jogging back. And um, I mean, I think that was a, a massive part of it. They were getting on the rim early. Um, him and Brad, obviously, been the, kind of the main culprits. And then kicking out for shots, offensive rebounding. Um, I mean, we didn't. I, don't, I mean, we didn't get stops all night. So you can uh, write a nice long list on what we didn't do. To be honest. Next up, Sarah Todd, Desert News. Joe, uh, Quinn and Don both, you know, said that there's, you know, a lack of focus and a lack of urgency lately. Is there anything that you can point to for the the reason for that or why maybe communication or focus is lacking? 
No, I mean, I think, obviously it sounds silly, but if we knew if we knew it, we'd obviously kind of knock it out and, and get rid of it straight away. But um, I mean, coach said it that we we've kind of started. Um, I guess his words were kind of not hungry. Like we need we need to start. I mean, we've got we've still got a decent record regardless of the result tonight. But we need to play like we like we want to win a championship. Like we want to not get knocked out in the first round, like we have been. Um, and, I, and I think that's kind of yeah for for what I like. I said, I mean, I don't know the exact reason, um, but we need to come out aggressive on on both ends. When we do, we're we're really really effing good team. Um, and when we don't, it, I mean, it's shown over the last. However, I don't even, I don't know a record or whatever it is over the last few games, but the last few games obviously we haven't really felt that felt the way that we've we've played for a lot of the season this year. Um, I think Boston we got it started to get it back a little bit, and then we we obviously kind of lost it again tonight. So we we need to figure it out. I mean, we know with our record and the way we've been playing, people are going to give us their best shot night in night out, and then we haven't been ready for it. So if we continue to not be um it's going to be a miserable second half of the year that was joe ingles career high 34 points from joe but uh, you could hear in his voice he wasn't exactly celebrating disappointed in the the tough loss for his team uh let's now wrap things up from a player standpoint with rudy gobert hey rudy we'll go ahead and get started with Kristen kenny just tv rudy coach talked about focus and communication as part of the issues on the defensive end lately why do you feel that you guys are, are struggling in those areas? Um, I think especially start of the game, you know, we it feels like we start a game with not enough urgency. Um, and uh, I think the, the communication is something that we don't feel like it's, it's important enough that we don't do it. And it's something that I think we should do. Uh, even on the games when we're tired, I think, you know, uh, having the vocal energy from everyone, uh, and even everyone on the bench too, uh, is really a plus, you know, and it really helps. So we need to, you know, uh, I think we need to understand that, that it's important and we need to do it every single night, regardless of, you know, regardless of who we play, regardless of uh, if we got legs, if we don't have legs, if we, you know, if it's raining, if it's sunny, we, we just got to talk every night. And, uh, you know, obviously it's never going to be perfect, but uh, I think if we talk, it, it's, uh, it really helps us uh, get locked in and, and get on the same page. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, do you feel like the defense right now is, is issues at the point of attack? What's going on with the transition defense? I mean, kind of what are the biggest issues uh, schematically right now for you guys? I think there's the base games when our, our offense really affects our defense, uh, especially teams that push the ball a lot. And tonight, uh, I feel like early in the game, that was the case. You know, they, they scored in transition because we were really too slow game back. And you know, we, we kind of cleaned that up over the course of the game. Um, and that's why we were able to come back in the game. But, you know, I think, uh, obviously, it starts with uh, the ball pressure. It starts with me uh, getting back, talking to my teammates, uh, having their back. And, uh, you know, it's got to be our mindset. I feel like we we are not tough enough. You know, I, I, don't, I feel like we don't embrace... Uh, 
you know, our defensive mindset enough. We do it when we're down, you know, but when we, when the game starts, we always need to get punched first before we, we react. And, you know, if you want to be a, a great team, I think we, we need to be the team that sets the tone and, and dictates and not, not let the other team dictate to us what we do, you know, because uh, I think we got all the weapons that we need defensively and we got guys that are long, athletic, um, uh, quick, you know, we, we can do a much better job and, and, and it starts with me, of course. Last question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, Joe said that you guys are not being aggressive enough right now on either end, that you're that you're not playing like a team that wants to win a championship, but like a team that's going to get knocked out in the first round again unless it gets turned around. I guess just how do you respond to that and, and what exactly, you know, other than the things that you've already just mentioned, do you need do you feel like you need to do? What 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 you said at the beginning? Sorry. Uh, at the beginning, I, I said that Joe mentioned that uh, you guys are not aggressive enough, and and you're not playing like a championship team, but a team that's going to get knocked out in the first round. So, how do you how do you get that turned around? Uh, I think we have to understand that we haven't accomplished. You know, uh, we've been to the second round a few times, but uh, uh, you know, we. We, we we get upset when people kind of laugh laugh at us on TV and disrespect us and and you know and there is disrespect out there but but it's on us to have respect for ourselves and and understand that you know in order for like we we we're the challengers we, we we're not the we're not the champions we we're not a team that can just cruise and 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 then turn it on when it's playoff time so we need to understand that we got to stay hungry. And uh, you know, and staying hungry is paying attention to the little details, uh, not being worried about individual stuff, not not being worried about distractions, and uh, you know, and it takes you know uh, a team to be able to do that, and it takes you know uh, character, and you know, we I feel like we we have it, you know, I feel like we sometimes it goes away, but I feel like we have it, and we just need to to try to find a way to to to. To have it every night, you know, and to and to have that uh, that edge, you know, that chip on our shoulder. That, that I know we have, it, you know, I know we have it, but that sometimes disappears and and, and then comes back, you know. So it's uh it's really uh you know on us to be hungry every night. We have we haven't accomplished anything yet, and I think we know it. Everybody knows it, and it's almost like it's a new season that starts now, and uh, and we need to keep getting better. You know, not overreact to a loss, but keep getting better, uh, keep enjoying the game, and uh, and uh, and be hungry. There you go, Rudy Gobert. Certainly, with some tale- telling statements there at the end, talking about how they haven't won anything yet and uh, got to have respect for themselves and and go out there and play as a team. Tough loss last night for the Utah Jazz. They lose to the Wizards, one thirty-one to one twenty-two. Don't have long to dwell on it. However, uh, they are uh, tonight. They're in action, taking on the Raptors in Tampa Bay. That game will tip off at six o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at five. There is the best of the Jazz post-game show. When we come back, looking ahead to the NCAA tournament, BYU knows they're getting UCLA now. What a game that was with Michigan State. And we will get to that next And what is trending right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.